Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. Really glad you were able to join us for this episode. I want to just invite everyone to come and check out our website, www.explorethespaceshow.com. We've been up and running now for several years. We've got a big archive. We are closing in on 100 episodes. Please come to the website. Take a look at all of the great stuff that we have. We have incredible conversations with some of the most amazing and intelligent people who've come on to talk about the extraordinary things that we're doing. Also, check out the About page when you come to the website. It's got our four pillars of conversation that we've got. This is the stuff that really makes up the show illness and recovery, leadership and culture, innovation and education, and the mental and physical edge. All of the episodes are available in the main archive, but we've clustered them depending on the content into those four categories. And some episodes are in more than one. They have one episode that's in all four. That's our Grand Slam episode. Definitely go and check those out. Let us know what you think too. I'm very active on social media. I love interacting with people listening to the show. At ETS Show is where you can find me on Twitter. It's a great place to give me feedback. Let me know which episodes you've liked. It's a really nice way to connect with people who are listening and hear about what we're doing well and things that you want more of. Whatever platform you're downloading the show on, whether it's iTunes or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Stitcher, wherever you're doing that, please leave us a rating and a review and definitely subscribe. We're going to be bringing out content hopefully every week. That's the goal. We're aiming for every week content and we're looking at two episodes for this week. So definitely subscribe because we're going to be bringing you lots of great conversations with amazing people throughout this year and I don't want anyone to miss out. Feel free to email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. I love interacting with people, again, via email. I really try to reply to all the emails that I get. If you have ideas for the show, you have a guest to propose, you want to hear from somebody again, things that we can do better, we definitely are always willing to try to improve as well. We really like that feedback. It's really meaningful for us. So really appreciate everybody engaging and, and really proud of the website that we've got. And it's a great place for people to come. It's a great destination for people to come and find out about the show and see all the great stuff that we've got there. So today's episode, really exciting. Kristen Wakelius from United States of Care is joining us. She is a senior policy director with United States of Care. Now, United States of Care is a fairly new entity designed to create nonpartisan approaches to meaningful healthcare reform in the United States. And obviously, huge work, vital work. It's a really unique approach. They've, they've got a really robust board that is helping guide the work, really important people that know how to do this stuff at the granular level. And Kristen's one of those people. She worked for nearly a decade on Capitol Hill with Senator Dianne Feinstein and also with Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey, who happened to be my representative at the time living in Santa Rosa, which was very cool. It was a nice connection to make with her. She is working at United States of Care to lead their effort to identify state-based and scalable policy solutions. That's exactly what she comes on the show today to talk to us about. We talk a little bit about what United States of Care is, because you may not have heard of it, but this is going to be an organization that is going to move the needle. It is going to drive the conversation around healthcare reform in the United States. And then we talk about the specific work that she's doing. It's a fantastic discussion. She's a real expert in this work. She's a real thought leader. She's got great ideas and the organization she's a part of is a really exciting entity. This was a really great conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So without further ado, Kristen McKellius. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is very exciting. It's great to be with you. Let's start from the top. Let's start at the beginning. I found out about United States of Care I follow Andy Slavitt on Twitter, as any self-respecting physician does, and he started tweeting about it. And I said, well, I want to look this up. And 
I did the deep dive and reached out to you as quickly as I could because I really wanted to expand on what is happening here, what the vision is with the United States of Care. You're a senior policy director for this new organization. Just give us that snapshot. What are we talking about when we talk about this new organization, the United States of Care? Absolutely. So, as you said, we're a new organization, nonpartisan, nonprofit, founded with a really big vision and mission, and that's that all Americans should have affordable access to health care. And we think the way of achieving that mission and vision really is taking the politics out of healthcare. If we strip away partisan labels, being sick and or staying healthy, it's not a Republican or a Democratic issue. Everybody ultimately just wants to know that if they get sick, they're going to be able to access the health care that they need or their family needs to get well. So our mission is really making sure that all Americans have affordable access to that care. I think that that is a really smart approach. And I say that as a busy practicing physician, there is no circumstance in our society that I can think of, and I may be wrong, or there may be others that I can't think of off the top of my head, that are, that are levelers in the same way being sick is a leveler. When you're in the doctor's office or you're admitted to the hospital and I come to meet with you and I've got the nurse and the therapist and everybody else, nobody cares about your politics. Nobody cares about that sort of thing on either side of the equation for the physician or for the patient. We're there with a common goal of let's figure out what's going on. Let's make a treatment plan. Let's come up with a plan to get you home. Let's come up with a longitudinal plan so that we optimize your outcomes, doing that on the individual and the population level. Nobody cares about the other stuff. And somehow it drives the conversation so heavily. I think that this is a refreshing approach. Is that what helped you and the rest of the folks that are involved in the United States? Do you think that was a major driver in people wanting to be a part of that organization? Absolutely. I mean, our organization was founded, you know, not just by Andy Slavitt, but with the support of, you know, a broad founders council. It's, you know, 70 plus individuals with experience, you know, really across the political spectrum and all aspects of health and medicine, and even some from outside of the healthcare arena that, you know, were really excited about our mission and vision. So from the sort of launch date, from the go live date of United States of Care, two things at the same time that I'll ask you to kind of comment. One of them Did you all have the Founders Council, the rest of the team, did you have a sense of impact that you would have out of the gate? Are we throwing a boulder in the water? Are we not even going to make a ripple? Is it just a breath on a stormy day already? What what were you anticipating? And where are we right now in terms of impact and response? Are you generating the voltage that you would hope to have generated at this point? So, you know, I think at launch, we were interested in you know, trying to reset the healthcare debate or at least move to a new phase of the healthcare debate. I mean, if you look at the last several years, especially federally in Washington, D.C., everything has been, you know, for better or worse, defined by the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, our mission and our vision as an organization is to not be defined by one particular policy. Instead of approaching our mission as, you know, this is the policy this is it, take it or leave it, we approach our work instead through three driving principles. And the first is that every American should have an affordable, regular source of care. 
The second is that nobody should be financially devastated if they get sick or hurt. And then the third is that we need to achieve these things in a way that's both politically and economically sustainable. So people shouldn't have to worry every election year that they're going to wake up the day after the election and have to worry based on who won a federal election or who was elected in their state that their access to health care might be at risk. And so I think as the organizations launch, we've been really pleased with the reception that we're getting and the interest that people have in, you know, coming together and really starting to have conversations that move us beyond where the debate has been over the last several years. People who follow me on Twitter like to sort of tease me about one of my things that I'll say when I agree because I type it all the way out. I don't use an emoji and it's, it's vigorous head nodding. That's my favorite one. And as I'm listening to you talk about those three aims, and I, I've looked at your website and I, and I really like it. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you. This is a, that's vigorous head nodding. Like we can all get behind those things. You're, you're, you've moved the needle from what is the platform on the Republican ticket versus the Democratic ticket to things that are much more aspirational, things that are lofty and feel like if we can get there, we are improving the lives of everyone around us. And that matters. And I think it also bears saying that, you know, your founders council, yourself included, you guys are not dilettantes. You guys are people with proven expertise, robust backgrounds, you know, clear visions of how to do this. You've assembled a really, really solid team. It must be invigorating to sort of say, all right, we've got that at our back. Now we can move forward. Absolutely. And having, you know, the breadth of expertise that we do on our Founders Council, I feel so lucky, you know, being in a position to do our policy work and get to, you know, interact and draw on all of the expertise that people have been so generously willing to offer us as we, you know, think about the work that we want to do. So let's talk about policy work, right? You, you, you use a perfect segue. Take us into your office. We're sitting down in your office right now. We're having a coffee. We're talking about what you're working on. You are a policy advisor and an expert at the state level. And I know one of your areas of expertise is an entity called Medicaid. And what I want to do with this is I want to do what, again, I think you guys are doing, which is very intelligent, is you're approaching those lofty goals from not trying to boil the ocean and do everything at once, but just picking things where you can get some victories, picking things where you can start to move the needle. You're focusing on the Medicaid buy-in at the state level. And I want to talk about that, but let's make sure we set the right standard. We're sitting down in your office. We're looking around. We need to first understand what Medicaid is. Just give us that token, and then we can really build from there. Make sure everyone understands what is Medicaid. So Medicaid is a healthcare program that is a federal-state partnership. The federal government and the state governments each contribute some funding. And importantly, Medicaid is a program that covers people based on a category of need that they might have or also their income. So it's a program that can care for people really in a variety of situations or across their lifespan. It covers pregnant women. It covers young children. For you know, children with severe disabilities, Medicaid can provide additional coverage or access to very specialized services and supports that they might not otherwise have access to through other forms of insurance. 
Medicaid funds a significant portion of the long-term care in this country, including nursing home care, but also approaches that let people who have disabilities, you know, stay at home and receive care in their community. It's, you know, another thing that's interesting about Medicaid is because it's a federal and state partnership, every state's Medicaid program looks different. You know, health policy nerds like to tell the joke, if you've seen one Medicaid program, you've seen one Medicaid program. <laughs> so every, every state's had a program that sort of evolved to, you know, look like their state or their state's delivery system. I think one of the key pieces to draw out of what you just described is that Medicaid is, and this fits with your mission, Medicaid is there for anyone who needs it. It's it's okay. purely a need-based entity. It's not going to ask you political affiliation, where do you live, any other sort of demographics. It's do you qualify? Yes. This is this is the very definition of a safety net for people who are in need. So I think we can probably make a pretty compelling argument. This is a cornerstone tool that we're going to use to drive towards the three aims of United States of Care. It's already a really critical piece of the healthcare system. It is a critical piece of the healthcare system. Yes. Absolutely. And it's something that, you know, people are increasingly familiar and comfortable with Medicaid. You know, like many healthcare programs, Medicaid has grown and changed since its inception. And, you know, the most recent recent expansion was the Affordable Care Act expanded Medicaid eligibility for people who might not fit into one of those categories, but because they have a lower income and don't have other sources of coverage, they're eligible for Medicaid. So as the program has grown and evolved and provided coverage to more people, it's something that, you know, people are increasingly familiar with. They know Medicaid and they like Medicaid. It gives them access to healthcare and security. Do you feel that there is sometimes a stigma associated with Medicaid where it's it just it carries a negative connotation in some in some way or do you find that it's people saying wow this is this is my state and my federal government having having my best interests at heart and I'm and I'm on board. Do you do you get a sense of the needle moving one way or the other? Or does nobody care when they just need Medicare when they just need medical care? You know, I think the point that you raise about, you know, perception or stigma is a really important one. And I think we've seen that change significantly over the last several years. Uh And if you look at the recent debate over, you know, repealing and replacing the Affordable Care Act, I think people, you know, went into that debate with some, you know, misconceptions about what Medicaid really meant. They thought that's not a program for people like me. But as people stood up and told their personal stories about, you know, the services that their disabled son or daughter is able to access through Medicaid or what Medicaid, you know, meant to someone when they were a child and it let them stay healthy and go to school and, you know, grow up to be a successful, healthy adult. As people told those stories, I think, you know, everyone has slowly come to learn and realize that, you know, just as we said, Medicaid is a core part of our healthcare system. And we also don't know in our own lives when it might be something that we or someone in our family need to rely on. That's, that's the key piece. It's, it's there for everyone if, and when you need it. And I, I agree with you that it's those personal stories. One of my great mentors always emphasizes there's nothing more powerful than the power of story. And when people get up and they tell those stories of, Hey, I'm just like you, life happens. And when we needed help and we needed support, we got it through this program and we cannot do without it. That really resonates. And people say, gosh, I am just like that person. 
we need to support something like this. So now we work with you and you've got all of this expertise and this rich background of policymaking at the highest levels. What are you honing in on specifically, knowing what we're looking at from the aspirational perspective, knowing the strategic goals? You're at the tactical level. You're at the policy level. What are you honing in on to start to move the needle? Well, first and foremost, you know, we really think that the place to focus, especially in the near term, is at the state level. I mean, if you look at the divided federal government, our divided Congress, we're not likely to see big, bold progress on health care in the short term. But states have such an excellent tradition of being innovators in healthcare and incubating new ideas. So we think it's really important to be focused at the state level. And that's why Medicaid can be such a good fit. You know, one of the policy areas we're particularly interested in is a series of proposals that would let people who aren't otherwise eligible purchase Medicaid coverage or coverage that, you know, is built on their state's Medicaid system or looks similar. And one of the appealing things about that policy space is it's something that states can do right now to take action and make healthcare more affordable. They don't need to wait for the federal government to take action. Do you find that states recognize and are grasping that and are, and are moving towards it? Are there some that are like way ahead of the pack? Are they moving all together? Are there some that are really resisting? Are you, I would imagine you're probably getting a pretty mixed experience. Yeah. I mean, every state that we've talked to, I think there's interest in what they can do to make healthcare better and more affordable. When it comes to Medicaid buy-in specifically, you know, some states, have been more interested in that as a policy area to explore than others. But I think that's what we see as the real strength of a Medicaid buy-in approach. You know, multiple states could choose to pass something that they would all potentially call Medicaid buy-in, and it could look very different from state to state. So some states could do a more targeted approach. You know, a state like Nevada was actually the first state to pass legislation to create a Medicaid buy-in. It was vetoed by the previous governor. But one of the reasons Nevada was so interested in this as a policy solution is that they had a number of counties that they worried would not have any insurance carriers selling coverage in the individual market. So for them, creating another option, having another choice for consumers was something that was a high priority. Other states, you know, like New Mexico, have also, you know, looked at the idea and they're really driven by coming up with an option that will be more affordable than the choices that are already on the market. So we really expect, you know, different states will approach this differently. And that's one of the strengths of the policy solution. As you're doing that work, what does success look like for you as you've kind of mapped this out and you've mapped out the project, you've mapped out your goals what does success look like for, when I say you, I mean your, your team, your organization for United States of Care in terms of moving towards the, the three major goals. What will success look like in this? We ultimately have our eyes on our mission, and that's that you know, we want success to be more people have affordable access to health care. Yeah. And just like you said, we're not trying to boil the ocean. You know, we realize that we'll make progress by trying different approaches in different states. Some might co- cover initially 
only a small number of people. But what we really want to do is learn from what works and figure out how we can take the best from what states are trying and export it elsewhere and help to scale it. So what are some of those pieces? You, you teed me up. I got to ask, right? You're, you're, you're looking for things that are working and you, you, you recognize that, you know, we're, we're looking at 50 very diverse, very different approaches to how to do this across our, across our Republic here. What, what is working? What are the tools that you're kind of adding to the toolbox so that when you move to another state or somebody reaches out and says, Hey, we need to have a conversation. What are the tools that are moving? What are the levers that you want to pull? So first, I think we're really excited about the prospects of Medicaid buy-in legislation passing New Mexico sooner rather than later. And if that state becomes the first to enact an approach to Medicaid buy-in, I think it will, you know, be a national leader and that will be something that other states will be able to learn from, not just, you know, their policy outcome, but there I would say the process that they've undertaken is really, really important. They did not just, you know, rush into drafting legislation, but last year their legislature passed a bipartisan memorial to do a study of Medicaid buy-in. And so the state has had that underway for several months. They've looked at different options. They've done some modeling on what those options could look like. So they're really in a position to make an educated decision about the policy that's going to best meet the needs of their state. So for us, it's not just about the actual policy outcome, but sometimes there's really important lessons to be learned from the process in getting to that outcome as well. So you're a pretty seasoned policy director. You're a pretty seasoned political operator, for lack of a better term. You've been through some battles, I would imagine. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum. It's not going to be, you know, ticker tape parade and an instant success. There's going to be pushback. So where are you experiencing barriers? What what entities are, are saying, you know, probably in very constructive and thoughtful ways, this is not a good idea and we need to do something different. What what sort of experiences are you having as those discussions happen around people saying, this is this is how we're going to push back? So when we're talking about Medicaid buy-in specifically, I think, you know, we've been really pleased with how different groups and people, even with different viewpoints so far, have been willing to at the table and have conversations. Interesting. Uh When you're talking about, you know, a proposal to create something like a Medicaid buy-in, a lot of, you know, people have questions. What will it do for, you know, their medical practice, for their hospital, for their plan? And, you know, so far, at least, you know, in New Mexico, people have been very willing to, you know, stay at the table and, to, you know, have conversations, to ask questions. I think that's part of the reason, you know, having a process where you do a study and look at options is really, really important. What are the anxiety triggers on the physician side and the provider side? When you, you know, I would imagine you've had conversations with healthcare organizations, with physicians in leadership positions, and potentially, you know, physicians who are in the office, either a private practice or whatever, whatever sort of enterprise. What sort of response do you get from them? I think a potential concern that people have expressed is, you know, what would a new plan based on Medicaid pay physicians, pay providers, pay hospitals? And that's, you know, can be a legitimate concern, especially for, 
you know, doctors and other providers in rural areas for, you know, specialists. And that's another thing that can look really different state to state. You know, people who have Medicaid to rely on for coverage, you know, generally are really satisfied. But it can sometimes be a challenge to find a particular provider that they need in a particular area who takes Medicaid. And so there's a natural concern among providers about, you know, who will be signing up for a Medicaid buy-in approach, how many people will be covered, and, you know, what will they be paid for taking care of them. As you're giving that description, which is, I would say, probably right on point, and and reconciling that with the fact that the, the really first big push is in New Mexico, I'm, I'm recalling a, a previous podcast that we did that started at the University of New Mexico with one of their GI specialists where he created a project called Project Echo. And it has revolutionized the way hepatitis C care is delivered in the state of New Mexico. And it has rippled all over the state into a whole bunch of different specialties and all around the world. The concept being, right, using the hub and spoke model where you use a, a, a hub of really smart people who know how to do stuff and then leveraging technology to educate people in those more far-flung rural areas to manage chronic conditions, that it's been incredibly effective. It's been incredibly impactful. Is that, is that an entity that you're aware of? Did that factor into the mathematics when, when you looked at New Mexico first, did it come up at all? Because recognizing it's been useful and it's a novel approach, is it something that has been on the radar? You know, there's so much that's going on in New Mexico's delivery system that's interesting. And, you interesting. know, one of the things that's, um, you know, been great about our work there is that this is something that really has been driven by patients and families huh. who really know New Mexico's healthcare system and really, you know, through their work and advocacy settled on buy-in as something that would be, you know, a good approach. And I think this is one of the powers of, you know, working on these issues in states and, you know, states taking on the mantle of innovators. They're able to design approaches that can, you know, promote or encourage innovations that have already been successful in their states. Yeah. As you're working at the state level, what would you say are going to be the the real accelerants of uh, switching back to that strategic perspective? What are going to be the real accelerants of United States of Care being successful in reaching those three aims? In terms of accelerating progress, I think, you know, what we're finding at the state level is that the partisan divides are just not as deep as they are at the federal government. So even if people, you know, in state governments disagree, and certainly they do, at the end of the day, you know, states have to balance their budget. States have to actually solve problems every year. And so that's, you know, we're really encouraged that even if people come to the table and initially don't agree, that there really is the prospect for, you know, agreement on issues in states. And I think, you know, for us in terms of accelerating progress, what we're really eager to see is, you know, states starting to, you know, pass new legislation. And even, you know, you take a look at some of the ideas that governors coming into office have put forward, um, you know, new. New York City announced a universal access program. I think another thing, you know, when you look at the state level that really sort of shows how partisan barriers are breaking down. I mean, this last election, we saw three deeply red states 
vote um, pass referendums to expand Medicaid when their state government hadn't been willing to do that. So I think, you know, when you get out to states and are, you know, when people are closer to their legislators there and they're really able to, you know, work together to solve problems in a way that, you know, we here in D.C. just don't always see. This is why I'm so glad I was able to have you come on the show is to, to convey that message that people want to get the right work done. They're not going to agree, but they will come to the table. They're rational. They're thoughtful. They will have the conversations that need to be had. It's so difficult to, to sometimes hear that message amongst the, the really loud noise and sometimes disappointing things that happen in our political system. But what you just described, that's heartening. That That's like, yes, we can do this stuff. Um, it's confusing. It's complicated. It can be scary. It can be intimidating. But putting the right people in the right room at the right time will get to a solution that balances the budget, that elevates care, that takes away negative connotations, that gets the right work done. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if you talk to just about anyone, I mean, healthcare is about as personal of an issue as you can possibly get. Yes. Everybody has a healthcare story, yes. whether it's their own or it's someone in their family. That is correct. You can, I, yes. Walk into any policy meeting, talk to any elected official. They've most likely had a problem in some respect with the healthcare system, either. Yeah not being able to afford something, not knowing what something would cost, not being, you know, able to get into a specialist that they wanted to see. I mean, this really touches everybody. So especially if you approach a conversation, not starting from a place as Democrats on one side and Republicans on another, but this is something we all agree is a problem. How can we come together and make things better? We're finding it's a conversation people really are ready and excited to be having. That's a great bookend to this conversation as we wrap up, because that is one of the other aspirational things that I think you are doing is that you are elevating this out of the partisan and saying, look, we're all humans. We all have a story. Our stories are all really similar. Some of them are triumphant. Some of them are tragic. They're all emotional and they're all, they're all deeply held. They're all really strong and that we can build on to get, to get progress. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be bumpy. I would imagine you could probably teach a master class in conflict mitigation and you know that sort of thing, having crucial conversations, but but we can get there. And I think that first approach of just elevating this to something more lofty than trying to bludgeon the other side, I think is just it's really smart. And I think it's 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 motivating and it's exciting. Well, thanks so much. I'm so glad that it's um we're we feel really lucky to be able to take on this work and hope, um, you know, hope we'll be able to make progress towards our mission. So people are going to hear this and they're going to want to find you. They're going to want to find United States of Care when they want to learn more, when they want to connect, when they want to follow the journey. How do they find you? We would love for them to do that. They should find us on our website. We're unitedstatesofcare.org and they can follow us on Twitter at US of Care. Perfect. I'm following. It's great. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a good feed. Uh, I, I like when there's new stuff. I want more for sure. It's, it's going to be a great journey. And I, I, you know, this is, this is pivotal work. This is the stuff that the history books will circle back and talk about. How did we address this major national issue of healthcare reform? The, the approach that, that United States of care is taking is in turns, both really lofty 
and aspirational, but also really thoughtful and strategic and granular. And I think that that juxtaposition is going to be really powerful. So really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Really appreciate you enlightening us on the work that you're doing and the team is doing and cannot wait to follow along to see what's next. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.